Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Off Script with Pastor Jared and Intern Aaron. Intern Aaron, soon to be married Intern Aaron. Yeah, three days from time of recording. This weekend? Yeah. Is the entire world invited? The whole world is invited. The whole world. Yeah. Not just for uh, the few, but the whole world. Yeah, the whole Uh, world. And that's at Kirby Woods this weekend, right? Yep. Awesome. Well, what are you most looking forward to about being married? What do you think? About being married? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess <laughs> just be able to spend life with uh, my best friend and uh, be able to go through the ups and downs of life together, focus on scripture and all the crazy things that life is going to throw at us. So, You guys going to get a dog soon? I wish, but most married, Mid-America most housing, married Mid-America housing doesn't allow dogs. Okay. So. I didn't know if you were going to follow the formula. Yeah. Uh, if Mid-America housing is listening to this podcast. <laughs> Aaron would, would like a, a multi-poo uh, yeah. eight stat. All right. <laughs> so... Um, we're going to take one of the questions that came in from the website today. So this is not just some, a hobby horse of mine. Mm-hmm. This is something that was submitted by uh, somebody. I don't know who. It's anonymous. And just as a reminder to everybody else, if you want us to take one of your questions, like we're going to do this question, just go to kirbywoods.org slash off script. Uh, no hyphens, just off script. And uh, there's a little form there at the bottom. You can put in any kind of question, topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may do it. We may not. If it's really wild, we may not do it. But <laughs> we're going to try our best if it seems like a legitimate question to take it. And we've already had uh, some come in. So uh, this one was one that came in really early and want to tackle it today because obviously somebody wants to know, and that mm-hmm. probably means others want to know. So here it is. I'll read it exactly as written. I'll kind of keep the practice of reading it as written, and then we'll maybe interpret what we think they're asking mainly about. So it says, how to let go of sin when you have already been saved. Okay. And then one more part, part two is how to move forward from it. Hmm. So, uh, I think you could mean two things with the question. I'll I'll ask how you interpret it. Um, You could mean, how do I sin less after being saved? Mm -hmm. How do I get better at not sinning, right? Uh, That could be that, to get distance between yourself and sin. It could mean, as another option, uh, how to move on from guilt or shame associated with sinning. So maybe even... Uh, past sin Mm -hmm. that I've committed, I still feel guilty about it today, even as a Christian. How do I, what do I do with that? Is that how you took it? Yeah, the way that I took it was uh, more so probably the latter option, how to move on from sin when it comes to guilt and shame associated with it. So maybe not necessarily how do we sin less, though I think uh, as a result, uh, that question will be answered. Uh, But also, how do we uh, primarily move on from sins maybe before someone came to faith. They had a lifestyle that they're not proud of, and it's hard to move from that. Uh, or maybe in the faith, they had a time when uh, maybe they backslid as a common term uh, or made some mistakes or continue to. And how do I move on from the guilt and shame of knowing that that happened? So this is probably felt by a lot of people, I would mm-hmm. imagine, that this is a pretty common thing that people go through. Um, I mean, both of us probably could say there's something that we look back on in our life and just wish it didn't happen, wish it didn't go that way. (laughs) And uh, we know, you know, we can point to sins of the past. And just the question is, what's our relationship with that very sin today Mm -hmm. uh, in the present? So um, 
I'll let you kind of get a running start here. How do you go about answering that question? What's kind of the first place you go to? What do you think about addressing first when someone brings that up? Because they're going to, I know, uh, you know, you're an intern because you're basically prepping for the day when you're going to be a pastor. (laughs) You will hear this. You will hear this uh, over and over and over again. So where do you start on a question like this? Yeah, so I think I would start by, I think, addressing the root issue where I think that guilt and shame comes from. So I think the reason that we feel guilt and shame is not because we have done something wrong in a vacuum, you know, separated from any acknowledgement of who God is, but that we have sinned against a holy God. And we, we kind of think that God is just like us. You know, we hold on to grudges. We, uh, even after we say that we've, you know, quote unquote, forgiven somebody, we still kind of have a disposition towards them that's kind of contrary to someone who would have been um, giving out forgiveness. But I I think that's an improper uh, view of who God is. So I think the primary, the primary thing is to have a proper view of God. And for that, I just had one quick verse from uh, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 43, 25, uh, this is the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah saying, I, even I am the one who wipes out your transgressions or your sins for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. So showing that when God has forgiven his people, uh, he removes that transgression for his own sake. And he doesn't hold on to that. He, he does not remember, uh, not that he's forgotten it, but that it's been, covered for and he's moved on from that. so you're kind of saying you're treat we might struggle for one reason one mm-hmm. of many that we treat god like how, how we would treat sin right like we we kind of assume god uh reacts to sin how we would react yep. to sin um so I, I can see that for sure you know because we do like you said hold grudges and we do um react sinfully when people wrong us and mm-hmm. things like that. So maybe we do project some of that onto God if we have a improper theological view of God. Um, so, you know, forgiveness ultimately um, we believe takes place at, at, at salvation. Right. And I think, um, I think one thing that people struggle with, with this is that, you can be forgiven and not feel forgiven. Mm. You know what I mean? You got the, uh, what's called a declared righteousness. So Mm. um, when you're saved, this is a little theology for you. Uh, When you're saved, you are declared righteous in the halls of heaven. There's a Bible word for that. What is it, Aaron? Do you know it? Justification. There it is. Justification. (laughs) Um, It's, you're basically given the status of of a non-sinner in the eyes of god uh, because that's what happens in in substitutionary atonement that's Mm -hmm. what happens you trade your sin makes a trade for christ's righteousness so when god looks at you he sees the 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 life and the accrued righteousness that jesus earned by living perfectly Mm -hmm. so you get that and it's like a big it's like a big old Burlington coat factory coat that you put <laughs> over your body, and you're covered, and you don't see whatever shirt you had on. You don't see it anymore because you've got this full-length mm. cloak that you've yeah. put on yourself, and that's what God, when he looks down and sees you, he sees the coat. He doesn't see the T-shirt. Mm-hmm. So you've been covered by the righteousness of Christ. Um, that's unearned. That's a, that's only given by faith. Right. So I think 
the fact that it's unearned and the fact that it's basically just declared by God mm-hmm. makes it hard to feel it. So you're yeah. you're just covered. You just are. So it's kind of like, are you going to believe it or not? Mm-hmm. You know, the it, you're, someone's telling you that you've been forgiven. And uh, let me give you a quote that I hear often. All right, I wrote this down to get it right because I have heard this. I'm going to say it's somewhere between three to five times by pe- by counseling people um, since I've been in ministry. And every time I hear it, I'm I'm struck by it. All right. Uh, you may have heard someone say it. Here's the quote. I know God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. Mm. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that a lot. So yeah. um, I, I've heard really, really great people say that. And it's right. hard, you know, in the moment I don't overreact, but I'm thinking deep down, what does that mean? That What you're saying, if you really slow down and break down that that sentiment, you're saying I've actually got a higher standard of forgiveness for myself than than God does. Right. So God's standards are super low, like he forgives anything. But me, my standards are so high from myself mm-hmm. that it's got to take – I've got to really burn. I've got to really hurt to be – to feel forgiven. And, I, and I, you know, that's just not a Christian message yeah. that you would have a higher standard than God does. Like if God's let it go mm-hmm. and you're still choosing to hold on to it, you know, yeah, it's it's kind of. I just thought of this illustration. It's like if someone was uh, on a, in a penitentiary or whatever, people go uh, for life sentences. They're given a life sentence for some crime they had committed, and a couple of years into that sentence, out of nowhere, they weren't expecting it, but somehow the court system says, "You know what? We're releasing you. You don't have to pay anything. You're free to go." And the guy's like, "Like a pardon? Like yeah, if, he like if the pardoned. governor pardoned him, right?" And and the guy's sitting there in his jail cell, and he's like, "What do you mean I'm free to go? Like I, I know that y'all have said that I'm free to go, but like I'm supposed to be in here for a lot longer. And like I I know what I did, and I know the sentence that I was given originally. So like I, I know that I'm technically free, but I kind I kind of feel like I want to stay around the jail a little bit longer because I like the feeling. Of, I've got to really hurt myself. I have a memory of right. I got to really make myself feel the pain instead of going free. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we do. Um, there's an element of control to that where you mm. where you feel more in control of the situation. I think if you're naturally somewhat of a control freak that you have a hard time when God says it's done mm. because it's like, wait a minute, you, you're just saying it's over? Like, yeah, it is. But but you like to kind of – you want to say when it's over. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's not how it works. And in this case, it's it's not for your benefit. It's, uh, it's, mm. it's worse because God's trying to do something for you. He's trying to give you a gift. And you know you're you're struggling to receive that that free mm. gift. So um, I think that's first. You people struggle with forgiveness because it comes from a place of just being declared by God as yeah. a as a as a benefit of salvation. It's mm. a it's one of the benefits of being saved. Um, secondly, I would say it, it's we're not really supposed to live in constant fear like that, where mm. where you're. You're not supposed to always be living the Christian life looking over your back shoulder. I mean, I remember Jesus, one of his little mini parables was no man who uh, is fit for the kingdom who, when puts his hand to the plow, looks back. Turns and looks back. So right. you, you can't live your life constantly looking backwards and thinking about how what you did uh, before you came to Christ. Yeah. And um, 
you know, I, I thought of a verse, First uh, John 2, 1. It's really an overlooked verse. It's, it says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, yeah. Jesus Christ the righteous. So the goal is not to sin. That's the goal. And, <laughs> and we should live that way. And this isn't to, de- to minimize sin or say it doesn't matter. Uh, but... There is an understanding by the biblical authors that sin is going to happen. You're going to sin, and when you do, it shouldn't crumple and shut down your life. It shouldn't make you just say, well, I guess I wasn't a Christian after all, or, well, all this was for nothing. Mm -hmm. No, you you go back to the same source. You go back to, to Christ. You seek forgiveness from him. It says he is your advocate. He's on your side. He's Mm -hmm. his goal is to help you. Uh, to deal with that sin, to be forgiven, and to, um, to move forward. Right. So, yeah, that's those are two things that I that I think you have to start with, is that you're not going to necessarily feel it, and two, you are going to have sin in your life yeah. even as a believer. Yeah, and I think it's important in those moments where as a believer, and, and I've, I've talked to a couple other uh, seminary friends and friends going into ministry about this, but it seems like heightened, I guess, like, you know, the Christian life is – like a roller coaster, like there's ups and there's downs, and you know it's not all smooth. Uh, but it seems like the times when our spiritual uh, ex- experience, I guess, like how how close, if you know, if that's the terms we're using, to Christ that we feel at that time, uh, it seems that that's when the temptations and that's when uh, the sin creeps up a little more sneakily and a little more aggressively than at other times. Uh, but I always encourage people to remember uh, in Hebrews four. Uh, it talks about how Christ is our great high priest, um, and that because he is the one who has come and sympathized with our weakness, has been tempted but without sin, therefore, it says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So I know that whenever like I'm struggling or I'm having an issue in my own private life, I just remind myself of that passage. I'm like, look, I'm a, I'm a child of God. Jesus is my mediator, so I can go to the throne of God. I can go in prayer with boldness, knowing that God will give me mercy, God will give me grace, and he'll give me help in my time of need. Yeah, and, and I think in in the Christian life, you're going to have moments, like you said, on the on the roller coaster in the peaks and valleys. Uh, the the valleys are going to be times when the spiritual warfare is heightened, mm-hmm. and in those times, Satan has a role to play okay so many people yeah. don't know what I'm, what I'm about to share is um, there's a there's a title given to Satan in revelation that I think mm-hmm. is really important in this discussion um, revelation 12 9 through 11 uh, gives it gives a new nickname to Satan that we're not really used to hearing and it's called the accuser of the brethren yeah um, and and it's this picture where it, the dragon is sort of fighting and he's having his last little moment and on the earth and he says but he was overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony um, but in that story we're we're told his title is the accuser of the brethren so Satan what he does like let's think about what he does uh, he comes to kill uh, kill steal destroy and accuse you so. 
Satan will absolutely bring up your past sin right. to you. He will tell you all the reasons why you stink mm-hmm. and why you, all the things you've done are disqualifying to you and all the things that you've done make you just a worthless person and you really don't have any, you know, you who are you to go to church? Who are you to share the gospel? Who are you mm-hmm. to but dot, 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 and, uh, you know, to make you feel so small and to make you feel like really what you need to do is just go crawl in a hole right. and go away from people and just be the center that you are mm-hmm. and kind of soak in that. Uh, that description is what Satan wants for your life. Mm-hmm. That picture of the guy uh, on the outside of town in uh, Mark 5 with the demon possession and he's just cutting himself and smacking himself with rocks and just a isolated, angry, that's Satan's goal for your life. Mm-hmm. So. Um, if you if you listen to that, you will live in constant shame and, and paralysis. You you won't do anything. You won't be anything. You'll just constantly soak in your own shame of the past sins that you've committed. Uh, that's what Satan does. He yeah. accuses you. Um, but there's a there's a, another side to that, um, where you can be. Your your sins can be addressed, but in a different way. So I'm going to read now uh, Hebrews 12, 3 through 8. Mm. This is about God's discipline. Okay, It says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Okay, so there's two things that could happen in your life. Um, you sin, all right? Christian, you sin or you're thinking about a past sin. So, one of two ways you can go about this. You have to address the sin either way when it happens. Satan's way of addressing sin is to hate yourself and never seek correction, never to deal with it, just to feel constant shame about it and to let it fester, let the wound just become infected over and over again. God's way is he is going to discipline you. He is going to bring that sin to you and give you an opportunity to repent and give you an opportunity to deal with it and through his son, the mediator, to put it away and not bring it up over and over and over again. So Satan is trying to leave you in the dark and God is trying to lift you up out of the dark and and give you a new life. So um, that's, that's the difference. Between, I think people confuse the voice of God and the voice of Satan when it mm. comes to sin. Um, God's goal is to discipline his son. Mm-hmm. Like, you got a good dad, right? Yeah. I do too. Yes. All right? So your dad disciplined you when, yes. you, when you needed it. Yeah. Um, if your dad saw you in sin, Mr. Mike, if he saw you in, in sin in your life, uh, you would expect him to bring it up to you, Yeah, to point it out, maybe even if it hurt once in a while. That's a good dad, right? Right. God's going to do the same thing. If he sees you in sin, he's going to address it. He's going to bring it up. Mm. Um, but 
his goal is for you to move past it, just right. like a good dad. Our goal is to move on and get past this and not to soak in it. Mm-hmm. Satan's goal is for you to soak in that thing and to just feel bad and never get out of it. So those are that's kind of how you know, who am I dealing with here? Mm-hmm. If I'm kind of feeling this, uh, I'm just stuck in sin. I hate myself. I, I'm depressed. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with it though. I just I want to sit here and hate myself. Right. That's Satan. But if you're feeling this motivation to repent and and deal with it and come to Christ and, and that's God, that's God addressing your sin. That's the rebuke of a father who wants to call you out of that sin, and uh, and and it shows you that he loves you because discipline shows that he loves you. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that. You know, as you're saying, like Satan is the devil is good at what he does, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Been doing it a long time. Yeah, Jesus says in Matthew eight that um, whenever the, the devil speaks a lie, he does it because that's his nature. That he himself is a liar and he's the father of all lies. I think in moments like that, when it's hard to discern, is this the voice of God or is this the voice of the devil uh, trying to lie to me? I think it's important to run to scripture, remind yourself of the truth, because you know God's word reveals uh, the character of God to us. And, and uh, both of those things are going to start the same way, right? God, both God and Satan are going to tell you that you're a sinner, mm-hmm. right? the the go- The question is, to what end? What? Why? What are we doing with this information? Satan tells you a sinner to keep you down and to shame you and to make you feel terrible and not to address it ever. And God tells you you're a sinner so that you will come to him and get that sin dealt with mm-hmm. and that you will throw that off and you'll be a new creation mm-hmm. and you'll walk in newness of life and you'll have all the benefits of the abundant life Jesus talked about. Two very different paths. They right. start the same way. You're a sinner. Boom. That hurts. They start the same way. But the the goal of that, of that engagement, mm-hmm. that conversation is very different. There's two very different paths. And that's how you know who you're dealing with, right. if you're dealing with Satan or if you're dealing with God. Yeah, that can be difficult. So, in conclusion, I would say, um, if you're if you have sort of a wave of guilt over you about something in the past, um, the first thing I would say is really ask the question: Have you actually dealt with that? Um, just because time has gone by doesn't mean you've dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may not have ever took it to the Lord. You may not have ever, especially if you sinned against another person, you may not have ever made it right with that person and gone to them. And just because 10 years has gone by doesn't mean that time doesn't really heal all wounds. You know, uh, God does. So you have to go through his path. Um, You might be bothered about your sin because you've never prayed about it. You've never Mm. gone to the altar of God's forgiveness. You've never addressed it. You've just been covering it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in that case, uh, that's a guilt that is is pointing you to the fact that you need to address the sin. Mm-hmm. You need to figure it out. Um, but if you have, if you really have, and and you've prayed about it, you've done everything on uh, that you can do, then what you really need to remember is that Jesus already endured an immense amount of shame for you. Yeah. Um, all the things I covered this in Sunday's message, all the things Jesus did for you, you know, he, the shame of the, the purple robe, the shame of the crown of thorns, the shame of the being beaten naked in public, uh, having your clothes, you know, rolled dice for, uh, blaspheme to your face, your own people, the Jews turning their back on you, you know, 
just a really embarrassing, shameful situation. He did that so that you wouldn't have to. He did that so that you would have that uh, that shame removed from your sin. Uh, and and if you sort of take that and say, yeah, but I still want to have some shame, you're kind of telling Jesus, you know, hey, thanks for going through that, but I didn't yeah. really need it, or I, I don't want it, or I still want to hurt myself a little bit. That's that's not godly. That's not biblical. Um, so don't, you know, as Paul says, don't trample on the grace of God by mm-hmm. doing that. He's given it to you. Take it. Enjoy it. Enjoy the gift of freedom that you have from sin right. in Christ. Yeah. I think one final uh, passage I would just quote just to kind of summarize, okay, well, rather than doing this, then we should do this, uh, would be just before in Hebrews 12, uh, the verses that you quoted, in verses 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, laying aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I think from that we should see that we can live in light of the people we have heard about in the scriptures, the cloud of witnesses, the people of the past. You see stories through scripture of forgiveness from this awful sin and uh, restoration. Uh, We lay aside every sin and the weight, which can be guilt and shame, and instead we look to Jesus and look to his word. Amen. Good thoughts today. So that's going to conclude our episode for the day. And uh, if you have your own uh, suggestion for something we can address on the podcast, again, kirbywoods.org slash offscript or right in the link of this uh, podcast, right in the description there, we'll put that link for you. Um, If you haven't left a a review or a rating, we could definitely use more and uh, ones that are recent uh, to today. That would be great. So uh, thank you guys for being loyal listeners. Tell a friend, share it with someone else. God bless and uh, go to a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church on Sunday. And if you're in the Memphis area, might I add, that's Kirby Woods. God bless. See you.